This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So we're busy with a series we started two weeks ago on knowing God. You know, at the beginning of the year, sometimes one wants to sort of, you want to have vision for the year. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get these like, this New Year's resolutions. You want to like, this I'm going to do different this year. Uh, this is going to change this year. Or maybe, maybe something, you know, um, the thing that I was challenged with, at the beginning of the year is the Lord said, don't share vision. Ask my people if they are willing to seek me and to know me. You know, sometimes we, we want to know God, but for the benefits he can give us. You say, okay, Lord, I, I want to know you because I need you this year in my studies or in my workplace. It's not going so, so we, it's easy to see God for what we can get from God. But it's, it's more difficult when it comes to relationship to see God to actually know him. <laughs> Because uh, when when you have that desire and when you have that hunger and that thirst after him, then then suddenly things things begin to change in your life because he becomes the center of your life, not not things around him. You know, Moses prayed it. He said, "Lord, we're not going to go into this promised land unless your presence go with us." And that is our prayer and my prayer for you and for us. You know, um, we all love to play a hide and seek when we're young. Some when we're old as well. You know, so um, I told the story of how. We, my, me with my boy, we'd play hide and seek all the time, and he would hide in the same place over and over, you know. And then, then we start again, and we say like, "Okay, I'm coming." Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. You go down, and then then you start walking, and you know where he is. You know he's there, standing behind the curtain in his room, and the feet just hanging out at the bottom. Nobody can see him. Nobody knows, but but we all know that he's, he's there. So now you walk around. Is he in the bathroom? Is he there? Every time you search in a different place until you come into the room. And then you say, maybe he's in this room. You know, that's the 50th time you've just been there. You've done that, you know. And then that feet, you know, that feet, whenever you say, maybe he's in here, then the feet goes like, then you know, like, this is excited. I'm going to be found now, you know. Um, but we, we have inherently as people, as humans, we have this desire to be found and to seek. That's why you, it's a universal game, hide and seek, you know. Why do we play hide and seek? Why do we, what, what's, what's in it, you know. So quickly turn to your neighbor and say, why did you play a hide and seek? Why do, why do you think, you know. Um, tell, tell your neighbor quickly, why do you think you played hide and seek when you're small? What's the purpose of hide and seek? <clears throat> so let me tell you why it's sort of, you don't teach your children the 10 best steps to play hide and seek. It's, it's inherently in us to seek, to hunger, to thirst. God has made us with this. Romans 1 talks about it. This inbuilt God consciousness, meaning that you have a vacuum in your life. It's, it's, you have a desire in your life and you want to worship. You want to, you want to connect with something bigger than yourself. And that's God. God built that inside of you. But what begins to happen is in the world and the things that happens around us, we fill it with other stuff. We fill it with the busyness of our lives. We fill it maybe with purpose, good things, or with bad things. And so we spoke about this in the past couple of weeks. Jesus said, seek, knock, and ask in Luke chapter 11. So I'm just giving us a bit of an introduction so that you know where we're at. And so he says, you know, asking is about relationship. Seeking is about faith. And knocking means that there's persistence and an urgency 
that you need to actually, because get through the door, because some doors are going to be closed, and there's going to be a lot of doors that are closed. That's why you have to knock, you have to go and find. So God isn't a cheap God. Uh, I must say this, if you come from a more charismatic church, which are, are people that like bands like this and loud noise and all of that stuff, uh, we make the mistake of sometimes being familiar with God, meaning that we just want to entertain people. Now, God is not in the entertainment business. God says he hides things in a mystery and he hides himself in a mystery so that those who seek, those who knock, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will find him. God is not cheap. God doesn't just show himself. I I think if God would show himself completely to us, we would all probably die immediately because God is too big for our bodies to contain the glory of God. And, and yet what we sometimes do is in the church, we try to go to church because we are trying to entertain people. We have a big show, this or what. And, and God says, hey, come, if you seek me, if you ask, if you knock, you will find me. So there were three scriptures, and I'm going to read them again. And I want you to choose one, which is, would, would be your favorite of those three. And then I want you to talk. We're going to interact a little bit today, okay? So... Um, just talk a little bit to each other about the scriptures. Okay, so Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Psalm 119 verse 2 says, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with the whole heart, their whole heart. I want you to choose one and I want you to Say, so which one of those three are applicable to you today? Which, which one can you relate the most? Maybe you need God's strength. Maybe you hunger and you thirst or you suffer want. Maybe you want to see God with your whole heart. Maybe, I, I don't know, which one of those three, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and quickly tell them which one and why you would choose that specific verse. Okay, so quickly, quickly. Don't, nobody sits alone. Or maybe if you can point, just point at one of them. Okay, so who, ch- who chose the first scripture? Just show with the number one if you chose the first one. Okay, who chose the second one? Who chose the third one? Yo, it's like evenly spread. Who chose all three? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but you know, when, when, you, when you see God, you're on this adventure. You're on this place where you realize like, I don't know the answers. And, and that's, that's the first part. We spoke about that, but you, you, you can't find the fullness of God and you can't know Him unless you come with humility. Humility is, is such a beautiful character trait. It's such a beautiful place where we realize that I'm gonna be teachable, meaning that I'm never gonna think that I've arrived. And this is probably why David, who, who messed up a little bit in his life, if you look in the natural, David was a man after God's own heart. And, and David told his son, Solomon, he said, look, if, if you would just see God, if you would just like forget about all the other stuff, eventually Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, well, that's great that you asked that. But I wonder what would have been differently if David and Solomon, Solomon would sort of follow David's instruction and say, God, I want to know you. Because that's what his father told him. Solomon, just, just see God. Well, well, Solomon got everything that he wanted, but eventually he lost a lot of things. Eventually he sort of like lost the plot. But see, if you, if you fall in love, how many of you have been in love before? 
or you are in love. All the married people, put up your hands. Okay, just make a declaration. Hallelujah. Okay, just like, so, so me, me. Because your wife is probably sitting next to you. So you're like, you, babe. Okay, but you just have to do some, don't you? Okay, so. But I remember when, when Louise and I sort of, I was start making oogies for her, making eyes for her. So, you know, like, you know, you, you suddenly, there's a whole planet full of this species called women, women, and then one just like, whoa, you know. It's like, just like attraction, you know. And then, um, so then suddenly you want to get to know what is on this person's heart. What do they like? You don't, you know, it's like some of us, especially as men, don't buy your wife presents that, that you want. Doesn't work, okay? <clears throat> Amen. So all the men. Amen. Okay. Just, just find out what they want. You know. So, so I realized like Louise likes cake, and she she studied a lot of these things. You know. And um, so I decided I'm going to bake a cake. I've never been close to an oven at that stage of my life. You know. So there wasn't Google around. So I went to borrow like a recipe book, all that stuff, and it was a wonderful cake. Some of you may have heard this story. So, so I had it all. I, I got there. Mix the ingredients, everything, put the cake in the oven eventually, and the cake looked beautiful, except one thing. Halfway through, I opened up the oven to check how the cake is doing, and then the cake went like, whoop, half of it just like collapsed. And I was standing there, and I'm thinking like, oh, I realize you don't open the oven, guys, when there's cake in the oven. When it's in the oven, it, it must rice, okay? Okay, it must like go like this, and it must be flat, you know, so that you can put the icing on. So then the second mistake I made, I put the icing on while the cake was still hot, so so, so everything like it was a melted cake, so it went like down like that, so I decided, okay, now I'm going to fix this, I'm going to make three times the icing, you know, the amount of icing, and so I let the cake cool down and calm down, and then I started to, I wasn't, I'm not an engineer by trade, but I realized I'm going to build this cake. I'm going to flatten this cake. So I, well, that's what I did. I, I built it with, with icing, you know, I just sort of, I made it flat. So there was this thick icing on the one side and this thick icing on the other side, you know? So, so it was flat. Eventually I, I, I sort of decorated the thing and I came to and I said, yeah, I, I baked you a cake, but I'm going to take half home and you can t- get this half, you know. So I cut it in the half where the thick icing was and I ate that cake with the pot, with the icing in front of her. I, I cut my piece out of there and I gave her the rest. And I was sitting there and I almost vomited because of all the icing and the sugar rush, you know. Um, but it's amazing because you want to discover her heart and, and she was so pleased. It's only later that she discovered that half of it was like icing, and, but her part was fine, yeah. And um, is it, isn't it amazing when we're in love with someone that we we want to discover their hearts? When you when you're in love, you know, when we just got married, we had like one half a bed, half a fridge, half a nothing. You know, we just like we just we just like moved in together, and there was just nothing. But that was it. That that's enough. That was that's enough for us. You know. We, we don't care about all the other people that say, oh, you need to have like a million bucks in the bank. When you're in love, you just like realize like, whoa, you know, I'm satisfied with this person. My question is, are we satisfied with God alone? Or, or do we fill our lives with a lot of stuff? And that's what David said. He says, I, I want to see God with all of my heart. So there are two characters that that are sort of almost have the same story in the Bible, and I want us to, to focus a little bit on them. I'm going to just focus on the one this morning, and then next week we're going to end this series looking at the other one. But the one is 
Daniel. And Daniel lived in one of the most scary times probably that the Israelites saw in a long time. So what happened is um, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they invaded Israel, took over Israel, and suddenly a lot of change started to happen in the culture, everything. And there's a scripture in Daniel 11 verse 32, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This is sort of in the middle of the book of Daniel. Daniel sort of lived in the time there were three kings um, that he served. It was a Babylonian kingdom. So let me give you some um, background. Israel was an exile under Nebuchadnezzar. Don't give your children that name. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He thought, like, what he's going to do is he's going to unite the whole society. He's going to bring one culture, no Jewish religion, no this religion, just like one world order, one world, one world everything, and, 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 and we're all flowing together. And so, so now he had a problem with these Israelites because they were very, very focused and they were not, um, compromising in a way. So, so he even changed their names. He changed Daniel and his friends' names. Um, they came, they got a bit of favor, so they got into the king's palace, and now they had this training program. So what happened is the guy in charge of this program sort of, they offered all these food to idols and a lot of stuff and said it's almost part of their worship, part of a way of thinking. And Daniel said, uh-uh, we're not going to do that. We'll rather eat vegetables. So, so that was a tough one, <laughs> okay? Can anybody from the free state say that's Namibia? Meet people, oh my God, that's a massive sacrifice. Would some of you agree with me, you know? Just eat vegetables. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's a miracle because they look better afterwards, you know? I always think that people, no, no, I'm not going to say anything. But um, I like meat. I come from a meat farm. I mean, anybody else like that? Okay. Bultong meat, huh? So, so Daniel had this sort of focus and he said, we're not going to compromise in this way, but we're going to trust God. Because we, we know God. So, so he was committed. Him and his friends were committed to holiness. And eventually at the end of this program, they um, have gone through all of the brainwashing, all of this stuff. And, and it's very a picture of the world today. If you look at the news, if you look at everything that's happening around us, if you're a first year, you're going to walk on campus and you're going to get some lecturers that's going to tell you a lot of nonsense. That is so unbiblical. Oh, you know, all the transgender toilets, all the other stuff. There's... You are going to be bombarded with something that Daniel and his friends were bombarded with. Let's just all be one. Don't, don't go against the flow. Just, but Daniel decided from the word go, he's not going to compromise. Him and his friends. Because they realized that God isn't just a God of love. God is also a God of holiness. And if we stand for the truth, the truth will set us free. And so he committed himself to that. And it's a picture sort of of us today saying no to the world. Because at your workplace, everything, my guess always says it, you know, it, it takes a live fish to swim against the current, but a dead fish just floats with the rest. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some effort for us this year. If you want to be a Christian, stand up for your values, stand up for your principles. When you know God, not because you're religiously fundamental, <laughs> It's just because you know God. You know the source. He's the source. He's the number one. And so, so many people 
today are falling off the bus. You know, we, and I'm saying it with a lot of respect, but even big churches today, they don't believe in Genesis anymore. They don't believe in God's creation anymore. They're, they're just falling off the bus. They're just saying, no, the Bible, you can't really believe the Bible anymore. Isn't that true? We're seeing it in our nation. We're we in that same time like Daniel. Listen to this in Daniel 3. So Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, if that is the case, because um, the king said, look here, we're going to sort this out. If you don't compromise, then you're going to be thrown in a furnace. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Sure, that's a bold one to say. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. All of us in our lives, we're confronted with idolatry. Now, in those days, the idols were like big poles and Baal worship and a lot of pagan worship. Today, the idolatry is to look for a false love or greed or money or power or status. The idols isn't so much poles anymore. When you go to India, you'll find it there. They still walk around the, you know, the poles and the idols and all that stuff. But today, the idols is much worse than those days because the idols are the things in our hearts. It's the hidden idols. And so Daniel says it so beautifully. He says, God, you know, we know you. And he says to the king, king, but you know what? We're not going to bow to your idols. But even if God doesn't deliver us, there's only one we'll worship. I, I think a little bit of my saying would have been, God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. He's definitely going to deliver us. But there's another step. And this is where the many people walk away from the gospel today because they're afraid of suffering. For many people, they want to just say, grace, grace, love, love. But a big part of the gospel of following Christ, of knowing God, is to enter into the sufferings of Christ. Amen? If you want to be a Christian, there's a narrow road. It's not a wide road. And so Daniel decided, well, I know God. And because I know God, he's going to come through. But even if he doesn't come through, I'm not in this relationship because of breakthrough. I'm in this relationship because I know him. And I want to serve him. And we're going to serve him. I mean, so it's getting very quiet in here. But hallelujah, because it is a bit hot. But I've got a jacket on, so I'm sweating all over. So just think of me sweating in the lights. It feels like... The angels are focusing on me, and then just breathe nicely, as you said. Okay, so Daniel had two other kings, Belsassar and then Darius, or Darius. And then we know the story that we all read, all in the young little kids' uh, books of the lion's den. And that was at the time when um, Darius was king. And that was a setup of jealousy, the jealousy of the other leaders. Because now suddenly, because of... Daniel's non-compromising focus and serving and knowing God, he got promoted. And eventually he became the head of the soothsayers and the magicians. <laughs> That's like being head of the witch doctors. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, what do you say on a Monday morning to all those people? You know, uh, <clears throat> okay, <laughs> you know. So, so he had quite a diff difficult department to run, <laughs> especially if he didn't believe what they were doing. But, but so he gets appointed in this obscure position. Scripture says that he also had an excellent spirit. And because of that truth and that excellence that he followed, he followed God in that way. So now the other guys started to get jealous. 
and they started to set him up. And you must go and read the story. Eventually, he's thrown in the lion's den, and um, the king says, Oh, Chona, this is a setup, but I have to stick to the rule. So God then delivers them out of that, out of the lion's den. Beautiful picture of walking with God, trusting God. And if you're going to start to follow God, I tell you, there's a lot of people that's going to start to get jealous of your life. They're going to slander. They're going to say stuff about you. No, 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 no. Why don't, you know, if you're a first year here, you know, we, and I'm, I'm saying this with a lot of respect, but you know what? There are rituals on this campus that want to make you drunk. They take all the first years to want to make them drunk. The whole race goes. That's where you need to stick with the other Christians. And there's a lot of, lots of them here. And there's some other great churches here that don't compromise. But you, you're going to be tempted to compromise just to go with the flow. In your workplace, maybe, you're going to be tempted to compromise just to lie. I remember when I started working as an accountant, I studied B accounting here at Varsity. And uh, the boss called me in and he said to me, do you know what? Um, we're going to give you like a petrol allowance and we're going to give you a car allowance because we lived here and I worked in Somerset West. And, um, and he says, well, and I said, well, do you know what? I, I don't want to do that because I'm, I'm a Christian. He says, no, but I'm also a Christian. I said, well, according to my Bible, I can't compromise on these things because this will be a lie. I'm lying to the tax man here <laughs> if I do that because I'm not driving for the work. I'm just driving from home to work and that doesn't qualify. So I said, no, you're really stupid. Everybody does it like that. I said, well, I'm not everybody. So he was a bit offended with me. But do you know, after two years, I worked out because I paid the taxes. God challenged me not to compromise in that level. And after two years, I realized I got 12 raises within two years. I got double of what I would have crooked the tax man with. Because, you know, oh, yeah, you can give God a round of applause. I was like, like, like oh, yeah, like a, you know. And that's not to say, hey, you guys are wrong. It's just, are, are we living a life of no compromise? But, but we're all tempted in different areas, eh? Maybe for you it's not that big. So Daniel also knew that there was a spiritual war. It wasn't just like trying something and, and we finish with the introduction now. So hold on to your seats. No, I'm joking. Just give me one or two more scriptures. Then we're going to pray for each other. In Daniel 9, it's probably one of these amazing moments because there's a spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm has effects on our lives. It's not just being nice and good in the natural. You must realize there's a spiritual war going on. In Daniel 9, listen to this. Daniel's speaking. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. He wasn't just praying for himself, oh Lord, serve, oh Lord, save me, save me. He says, he came into a place of intercession. He came into a place of realizing that this is not just about no compromise lifestyle. This is about a whole nation that needs to turn back to God. This is about a nation that is in exile. They are enslaved. They're trapped. They're not following God. And so, so his stand and his walk with God is a non-compromising one. But when he goes to God, he intercedes for that nation. He stands in the gap. And don't we all know it, that South Africa's hand is not in a president or a political party's hand. It's, it's in God. It's when the people of God pray like Daniel. While I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people. 
when we humble ourselves, when we see God's face. And so in verse 21, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. (laughs) So suddenly, as he was praying, he opened up his window and he just focused. That's what he did. He was a disciplined Christian. He just said, no, I'm not going to compromise. Everybody else says, just go for the parties. Just go for that. Just, just don't be so intense. You're so fundamental, Daniel. But Daniel opened up his window and he prayed to God. And he confessed his sins and he cried out to God. And then suddenly this, this angel appears. One of the archangels and says, hey, you, because of your prayers, I came to, the, you must read the story, I came to deliver a message to you, but it took me 21 days, a couple of days to get here because I had to resist a massive prince of Persia. <laughs> there was a massive fight in the heavenly realms as you were praying. But because of your prayers, breakthrough came in the heavenly realm, and now I can come and bring the message to God, of God to you. And then, then we see how Daniel would prophesy and speak about the end times that we are living in today. He would prophesy hundreds of years before the time. Because there was a spiritual opening of his eyes. So, let's look, let's recap. Are you all with me? Okay, great, great. Okay, so, just, just some, of the, some of the points, and then we're going to read one more scripture, then we're going to pray for each other. So, what were some of the principles out of Daniel's life in knowing God? Well, Daniel's strength was in his devotion to prayer. It's in seeking God. It's those moments when you have quiet time, when you shut all the world out, all the noises, everything out, and you decided, I'm going to seek God. It's not praying through a list. That you can do. It's a prayer of supplication. But it's a prayer of worship, a prayer of thanksgiving while I was seeking God. Daniel's integrity, the second thing, gave him favor, but he refused to compromise his faith. He refused to compromise his faith. A lot of favor. And and we can expect, once you start to know God, expect favor. But it's not for you. It's so that you can lead others. Because people are looking for leaders. People are looking for Christians. And people are looking for people that won't compromise. Because they want you to know what you're standing for. So even in the world, in the church today, you know, that people say, no, 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 you know, just sleep with your girlfriend, just sleep with, just go around, just, 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 just live with that person. Well, you're destroying covenant relationship. You'll sleep with that girlfriend before marriage, but what will happen is the mystery will be gone. There's nothing in marriage that you'll discover. So he had integrity. Daniel obeyed God before he obeyed man. Sure. It's not so easy when the king stands in front of you, eh? Daniel relied on the Holy Spirit. Just like Joseph, he was operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because he would interpret these dreams and sometimes there were lots of risk involved. And there's, there's an opening for the church to begin to speak again, to begin to say what God says. People are wanting to know what is God saying. But that means we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. It's not a ritual. It's not a religious experience. And then the last one is Daniel knew God. He said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we'll still worship one God. Sure. And the challenge for all of us, working, non-working, families, is, you know, what, what are those places where you and I are compromising in sometimes? What are those things that hold us back from knowing God? Because relationship, we all know, is not easy. 
being religious, that's easy because you go always with a bunch of rules. But in this year, as we, as we see God, we're going to see the church stand up and rise up in ways that, that we have not seen with great power, great things happening in the church. But it's not because we seek the things of God, it's because we seek God. Whoa. Hello, can I get an amen? That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you know somebody that needs to know God. It's you. Okay. <laughs> Just say that somebody. <laughs> so this is the last scripture, and then we're going we're gonna to pray for each other. James 4, verse 5 to 8, it says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Isn't, isn't it amazing? Even in the Great Commission, God says at the end, And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. He says there's, there's something inside of you, and, and we as the church in the West, especially, we need to decide whether we're going to be spiritual Christians or carnal Christians. But the Holy Spirit is grabbing a hold of some people and saying, Abba, Father, crying out, Abba, Father. The, the Holy Spirit has a certain jealousy of God that He wants to release in your life and my life that cries out to God. It says, God, I want to know nothing else and no one else but you first. <laughs> And that's what the scripture says. When we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. But you can't do it in your own strength. It's not because you have a 10 discipline plan and, you know, close the, the sh- shutters on the side and put off the CD and then, you know, you have this ritual and then you connect with God. It's all about your heart. It's about that opening of your heart to God and say, God, I want to know you, but Holy Spirit, help me because everything in my flesh wants to just sit in front of the television. Yeah, uh, I mean television. Okay, so, you know, that like, whoa, I just want to, you know, because, you know, I, I, I'm actually entitled because I worked hard today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just walk in there, put myself on the couch, dip, and then do ministry. Channel 105, channel 106, and there we go through it. Yeah. But, you know, there's going to be many Manchester divided Manchester United stuff, you know. They're going to play soccer every Sunday. They're going to do like, ooh, yeah, they, they, they're going to play. The, it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Every Sunday, there's going to be a soccer game. <laughs> every Saturday, there's going to be a rugby game. Every Wednesday, there's going to be a croquet game. I don't know what you play. Chess game, putt-putt game, whatever. You know, I played putt-putt this holiday. Oh, my God. You know, we, it was my wife's turn to choose the holiday, and there was nothing there. She likes reading books and just observing life. I like action. I need an itinerary for my holiday. Anybody else like that? Yeah. I, I need to do stuff. I, I, I need to go places. So it was her turn to choose. So we went to the farm and we just, we just, we were there. <laughs> After two days, I started to evangelize the flowers. Started to be delivered, you know. I don't know, but um. So, he, but there was a putt putt game. So, uh, putt putt little thing. It was just uh, so. So I putt putted. 
I, I, I even drived in the, on the putt-putt level. I, I, my putting is great now. But, you know, we, we all respond differently because we have different personalities. So, so for some of us that are really the fast goers, we want, we want action. We want stuff to happen. It's more difficult for you to stop, to be still and know that he's God. And that's the word God spoke to us last year. He says, be still and know that he's God. Those moments when you just, you don't have to say something. You don't have to like worship and fall on your face. It's be still and know that he's God. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an invitation. It's like, be still and know that he's God. <laughs> but you and I, do you know, we, when we come to God, it's that grace, that thing. He says, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the only two groups of people that God would resist in Scripture is the proud and the religious ones, the hypocrites. Hypocrites are actors, the same word. Actors is somebody that pretends to be somebody else in the life out there than what they're at home. <laughs> you live two lives. And God, God hates hypocrisy because you lie to yourself about what's really going on. And God hates pride. He says he will actually resist you. But he will give grace to those who are humble, those who just say, Lord, I don't know. Help! <laughs> That's the most profound prayer you can ever pray. Help! It's amazing. Jesus, help! <laughs> it's amazing. Whenever a prayer comes from the heart, God says, he stops, he listens. <laughs> because he's looking for what's going on in your heart. The challenge is, are you and I willing to seek Him? Are we willing to draw near to Him? And therefore, He says, submit to God, because there's something that happens in submission. Submission means I'm letting go of my will. If you submit, if you come to a place of surrendering, I'm, I'm letting go of my will. I'm letting go. When you teach horses, you know, and you have to break horses in, it's all about the will of that horse. And we would sometimes with these horses like get them to run around hours and hours because you want to put that saddle on the back, but the will is so strong. Some of our wills are so strong. And that's why he says, submit to God. Don't go run off and resist the devil. And he says, just bring your will, bring your heart, get to know God. And then you're going to know a power. You're going to tell the devil to go and the devil is going to run. <laughs> Such power that the church will know, but are you and I, are we willing to go there? Are we willing to let go of our wills? Are we willing to give up the strong willed, I, me, my entitlement? I know I'm God of my life. Or is he? That's my question to you today. I want you to quickly, if you want to, before we're going to pray for people, and now the married people, ladies, this is now your chance. Be quiet. Don't tell the man. Let him tell you. Okay, so just, just wait a moment, okay? Where do you think you are very strong-willed at? Now, praise God for Google Maps. Because my wife and I, when it comes to a map and driving, that's our biggest fights it has been. But now we just put on that lady from England, and she helps us. I mean, she's one of the best marriage counselors ever. So we can blame her. But I remember going to Joburg and we're flying up there. Now we still have maps and we get out. And I drive and I realize like, Durban? No, no, no. Durban? We're not going to Durban. 
Look at the map. Look at, well, wrong way. Now we're late. So, but we're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> we should go north and we're going south, you know. And like, now we stop next to the highway. Get out the map. And the problem is, it's all old South Africa, Jan Smits Drive, and it's just changed to Mandela Drive. So the map is the old South African map. They should just put it like a... And so now, right there next to the National Road. Hallelujah. Now I realize it's too dangerous, because otherwise I would have jumped out of the car, you know? But then everything inside of you is just like, you know? Why didn't you read the map before the time? No, we just bought the map. Okay, why, why can't you read the map right now, you know? <laughs> it's just amazing how we just like, you know, everything begins to stand up. Because all of us, we have this like sense of, I want to be in charge. And all God says is, come to be like a child. You, you can't be in charge. If you want to know me, come. So I want you to talk to your neighbor quickly. What are some of those areas, emotionally and spiritually, where sometimes you, it's difficult for you to let go? Because we get hurt many times in our lives, we, through family, through relationships, we are afraid to become vulnerable. People hurt us, sometimes from a young age, and then we are taught in our culture to perform or to be the best or to show the world that we're better than them. So for the Western culture, we have a big disadvantage. We, we don't like sharing our vulnerability and our weaknesses. But isn't that amazing when we have scripture? That's why I love reading like the Psalms of David, how he was just so vulnerable before God. Go read Psalm 51 when he sins after he sinned with Bathsheba, how he cries out to God. And he writes it down so that through all the ages, all the Christians after him and everybody will see his weakness. <laughs> And even when God tells us the story of Daniel or Joseph or all these great men of faith, isn't it amazing about the Bible? God hides nothing. He doesn't tell us these are the great guys. He tells us about Noah's and he tells us about Jacob, how he wrestled with God and ran away. And it seems like a bunch of murderers and thieves. <laughs> Some of them were Jesus' disciples. So the church that's really going to know God and is going to see God is a church that makes ourselves vulnerable to him and also makes ourselves vulnerable to each other but that means we're going to need to trust each other now john did some of the facilitation training yesterday he's from malaysia but he prayed something and i've thought that i'm going to ask him to share it and i want you to share it twice just that sentence that he prayed at the end it just struck me yesterday so john john come share it with us but share it slowly okay If dependence on God is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. If dependence on God is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. Thank you, John. I want you to stand with me today. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.